Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show on a beautiful, beautiful Friday afternoon. We'll spend the next couple hours here engaged in our trademark energetic and entertaining conversation on news, politics, entertainment, film, film, nature. We got a little bit of natural world today and recreation as always. It is another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio to help you stay updated on the latest news and weather. Thanks for spending some time with us today on your radio at Information 1000, streamed live at KSO.com or using, and this is important people, you, you want to get this, all right? You pick up your phone, pick up your phone right now. If you're not already listening on the KSOO mobile app, go get it. It's available on the Apple and the Android and all that because that's the best way to mobily listen to this program and all KSOO programming, including Chad and Beth in the morning from 5 to 8 a.m. Remember, you can always follow along with this show live on Facebook or on the Twitter account at P. Lally Show. Chat with us there. Always appreciated. Uh, yeah, so Dan mentioned, you heard Dan say uh, in the open there that it's International Bike to Work Day, Winter Bike to Work Day. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah I got a, I'm full of them today. Bikes, bikes all over the place. And they were bikes all over the place. I saw so many of my friends posting photos in the social medias on, uh, uh, from their rides to work this morning and later. I, I, I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't ride, Dan. I, I feel terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know this meant a lot to you and I, and in all seriousness, it's it probably, it's burning you up that you mm-hmm. couldn't do it today. Yeah. But here's why I'm very, very disappointed. Oh, really? And, yes. Forces beyond your control. <clears throat> no, I'm very disappointed because the reason I didn't ride my bike to work today on International Winter Bike to Work Day is because it took me longer than expected to clear the driveway of the snow. And here's why. Snow gates, Dan. I'm very, very disappointed in the snow gates. I was promised that there would not be significant amounts of ground up, packed up, snowplow refuse in the opening of the driveway at the street. And so I have been planning not to shovel that part out. And when I got out there today, after it warmed up a little bit, I looked down at the end of the driveway. Guess what I saw, Dan? Dun, 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 dun. Big old piles, big old piles of ground up, packed together, Snowplow refuse. And you know, that's fine, Dan. That's fine. I'm an able-bodied dude. I can still shovel. In fact, I, I prefer to shovel. As I've said before, I don't have a snow blower or anything like that because, you know, I think it's mostly a waste of money. But I was promised that if we did this, the city did this, that I would not have that at the end of my driveway. And there it was. And so I spent a significant amount of time and effort today 
chopping and hucking and chopping and hucking all that snow. So that's why. I, okay, I'll admit there's some poor time management there. All right, I'll take some responsibility for that. But I can't tell you how disappointed I am in these snow gates. Sometimes it seems like they work, but if you get any significant snow, apparently, not so much. And it was three, four inches only. Of powder, of powder. So, I don't know. I don't know. Disappointed. That's all, that's all I can say about my Snowgate experience today. You did not curse one significant Sioux Falls City Councilor under <laughs> your breath while you were shoveling, were you? May have come up. <clears throat> May have come up, but I was <clears throat> alone. So, I, you know, it's, and it's fine. Okay. If it works, it's great. But when it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I was promised, you know, a reduction in snow shoveling labor. Didn't happen. So I'm going to take that up with my city councilor next time I see her. Government promises. Yeah. They are not always kept. Can't believe them. That said, we've, get, we've still got a great show for you today, even though I am, I am uh, a drowning in disappointment here in the KSO studios. And I'm sore. And I'm kind of tired. Uh, we, uh, we, our guests today are outstanding. Joe Hyatt and Dalton Coffee. Uh, they are uh, involved in this film called Poor Mama's Boy. It's uh, local production companies are involved in that. And they, and Joe Hyatt is a USF student or was a USF student and a Roosevelt grad. He's a young man who stars in this film, Poor Mama's Boy. It's got a lot of local connections and they are releasing that feature film. Uh, you can get it on Amazon Prime right now and Apple. So that's pretty cool. They're going to be in studio second hour. We'll be talking about movies. I love movies. The Buffalo Maiden will check in from the Black Hills Bureau for Weird Friends. Thea Miller-Ryan of the Outdoor Campus will stop in for her weekly appearance. And we're going to talk about warmer weather because we're going to talk about butterflies. I also note that Thea uh, has posted in the Facebook Live that the city is out there grooming their skiing trails right now. So the skiing will be good at the outdoor campus. So that's good to know. And I'll have a P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic, taxes and driving. Taxes and driving, people. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 316 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Close to the free with the Bodines and the PL statement on a lovely, lovely Friday afternoon. And I'm all fired up about a couple things, so we're going to have to go fast. Two things one national, one local. Oh, here's okay. First off, uh, the deficit and um, the, the budget and the tax breaks. And the okay, um, so there's a lot of discussion today in various uh, media outlets about. You know, basically the GOP turning its back on the uh, on the Tea Party and the deficit hawks and moving forward with the, you know, massive deficit spending. Um, you probably saw the comments by Rand Paul yesterday, Senator Rand Paul. But there's there's other people in the Republican Party in the Senate 
Mike Lee of Utah, Bob Corker of Tennessee, of course, he's been vocal about the deficit, but they, in the end, all voted for the tax cuts. Um, but this um, this deal, this budget deal that they put together has just got everybody in a tizzy. So Rand Paul says, I can't, in all good honesty, in all good faith, just look the other way because my party is now complicit in the deficits. You know, so then, but there's there's a lot of folks who have put their eggs in the trickle-down basket. As this AP story says, many in the GOP ranks were willing to sign on despite the soaring deficit. It all comes down to one thing, economic growth. That's where you take care of the debt and deficit, said Representative Dennis Ross of Florida. If you And, and the other part of this is, okay, so they're putting their, their faith in trickle-down. That's fine, even though it's never really worked. But then the other side of this is the is the, the military part, and uh, you hear a lot from Mike Rounds talking about this, that you have to fund the military, and that's that's something we're going to talk about in a minute. But uh, Representative Mac Thornbury of Texas, chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, says, if you vote no, you're voting against fixing the military. He said, conservative angst about the growing deficit is valid, but you are not going to fix them by cutting our military or by failing to provide the equipment that our troops need. And uh, this from Representative Mark Walker of North Carolina. He is a leader of GOP's fiscal conservatives. You can make a case that it seems to be a little hypocritical because we ranted and raged during the eight years of Obama about the national debt, said Walker, who said he will vote against the budget bill. But if it's truly our core principle, it should be equal whoever is in the White House. And, I, you know, kudos to him for being intellectually consistent. And rhetorically consistent. It's in. It's really amazing, though, how fast the rhetoric can change, and that doesn't matter which side you're on. The GOP is banking on this trickle-down economics somehow magically coming to life from the genie's bottle they've been rubbing. It's a false promise, to be sure. Let's not fool ourselves. Even if you believe that there will be some economic growth associated with the tax cuts in the short term, it's not going to be enough to cover the bill. There's just no way that it's going to be enough growth to get rid of deficits. I I could be proved entirely wrong on that, but I don't believe that's the case. It's particularly disingenuous to me to tie military funding, falling behind because we're stretched way too thin in too many places for way, way too long into this debate. Why? Because what they're doing is forcing a showdown, forcing citizens to pick between our soldiers and social programs. You can bet on that. That's what's coming. The great lament that we can no longer afford to support the elderly, the disabled, single mothers, poor children, that is what's coming. And I've said for some time that we need a dedicated source for revenue for military spending so that there is a direct connection between our international interventions and the actual cost of doing them. It's time for the Patriot Tax. This is something I've been pushing for I'm on the record on this for years. We'll start with a $1 per gallon gas tax. One buck every for every gallon. Because let's not fool ourselves. We are in the Middle East today. Iraq, Afghanistan, Iran, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, uh, Israel. All these uh, international uh, conflicts we're involved with or have money, skin in the game is because we were hooked on Middle East oil. It's the legacy of 75 years of oil consumption. 
Start there. The first thing people espousing the social versus military showdown will say is that entitlements are a much larger proportion of the budget than the military. And, you know, that's true. In hard numbers, that's true. But it sets up this false equivalency, the one or the other, the black or the white. They are not the same thing. Social programs are investments in our people. They are investments in our future. Military spending does not, in the long term, provide any return on investment. It is a necessity. It is a cost. We need a strong military, to be sure. But we've abused that military for far too long, and now the bill is coming due, and you have to pay the bill. Where does the money come from? It doesn't come from cutting taxes, I can tell you that. So now they've set themselves up for this fight to ultimately diminish the social safety net, which has always been the goal. And that bothers me because you're, you're, t- you're, you're, you're using the military to do it, and I think that's wrong. You're playing in jingoistic patriotism, and I hate that. But the thing I really want to talk about today, and I, I spent too much time on that already, because this... You probably haven't heard a lot about this yet, but there's a bill in the legislature. Uh, I believe it, it, it got out of committee um, or it's going to be heard by committee, but it's, it's rolling around and it's basically a tax on, it's a fee for electric car owners and hybrid car owners. And it is uh, an act to establish an annual fee for certain electric motor vehicles and electric hybrid motor vehicles. Okay, so the notion here is that... Um, People driving electric cars don't buy gas, so they don't pay the gas tax, so they don't pay for the road, right? Okay. There's some, there's some validity to that. But the number of people driving electric cars right now are, is not that high. So it's 100 bucks annual for electric car, 50 bucks for the hybrids, all right? Uh, this is uh, the, the uh, brainchild of uh, Republican Mary Duvall. And she said, and I got this quote from Dakota Free Press, my our friend Corey Heidelberger, the single opponent used the single opponent used the word penalize. I prefer to use the word equalize. This is an issue of fairness. There's a group of cars that are using our roads, but they're not helping pay their fair share of the way. So Matt McCauley, he's a lobbyist. He used to be a legislator. He's uh, he was working for the Alliance of Automobile Manufacturers, and you know they don't they don't really like this. But one thing that he said during this, and I got again, I got this from Dakota Free Press. Um, he pointed out that all some all gasoline cars get better mileage than similar hybrids. You know, things have changed a lot, the, the ability to, to, to get better mileage. He said electric cars make up 0.004% of the 922,000 vehicles registered in South Dakota in 2016. Uh, so there's not a disproportionate drag on the road budget. Um, estimates, there are estimates that this bill, HB 1241, would raise $276,000 last year. Yeah, it's not a lot of money. So here's the way I see this. This is wrong-headed, to be sure. It's not going to prevent anybody who wants an electric car from getting an electric car. That's not the point. The fact of the matter is that, as things stand right now, the people who are buying Chevy Volts or Nissan Leafs or a Tesla can probably pony up the 100 bucks. That's not the issue. I don't doubt that for a second. It's wrong-headed because it's incredibly short-sighted. It smells of trying to poke a finger in the eye of those crazy, shaggy-haired environmentalists who think the world is coming to an end. So you know what you're going to do? Charge them a little extra, right? The issue of how we fund road maintenance and construction isn't going to be solved by this minor action at all. It's just talking points. It's making somebody feel better. The problem is that people are driving less and will continue to drive less. Yes, it's true. This is South Dakota, home of the big four-wheel drive pickup and SUV. And yes, I, in fact, 
drive a lovely Nissan Murano, which is not efficient in the slightest, which is to say, in this regard, I'm as guilty as anybody that chooses big and comfortable over efficient. However, that's not the way the world is going. In fact, the punishment of the hybrids is particularly silly, but that's because efficiency of regular gas engines has increased so much due, ironically, to federal government regulation, that the older hybrid designs are becoming obsolete. Many, many cars get 40 miles per gallon, and even the newer, mid-sized vehicles get more than 30, including a lot of smaller SUVs. That means cars use less gas, which means less money coming from the gas tax. That's why this is wrong-headed, because it doesn't address the real questions about how evolving technology and consumer trends are affecting the revenue and thus the ability to work on roads. And this is all while gas prices are quite low. What happens when gas jumps to 4 bucks a gallon? That will happen again someday. You, you can bank on that. You know what happens then? People drive less. That's what happens. It happens every time. What then? We've been through this discussion before in terms of the gas tax. It's not an easy one. There are a lot of special interests, including agriculture, who get to breaks on tax, on the gas tax, Nobody wants to pay more. We all know that. But the legislature at some point is going to have to look down the road, like 30 years, to figure out the best way to raise money to fix roads. And if we need all the roads we have, and I mean that seriously, nobody believes that there is enough gas sold in Meade County to pay for the roads in Meade County. It's a serious problem that requires serious, thoughtful discussion. That's not what's happening here. This is an odd, meaningless bill, just one in a series of odd, meaningless bills in peer that won't change anything. That is the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree with me. That's great. You can disagree with me. That's fantastic. Go ahead and email me, Patrick at KSO.com, or get on our Twitter at PLally Show and chat. We're also on Facebook Live. Coming up after the break, it's the Buffalo Maiden for Weird Friends. There's some report of snow out there. And then Thea Miller-Ryan of the Outdoor Campus will be in to tell us about butterflies. That's coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 335 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, I brought back Sister Goldenhair for my friend, the Buffalo Maiden out there in the Black Hills Bureau. And a couple reasons for that. If you were listening to the show yesterday, you know I lost my whole music library to a technical catastrophic failure, which is fine. (laughs) It's fine. It it needed to be purged anyway. But uh, so I've gone back to Sister Golden Hair for you at Buffalo Maiden. Is that all right? That's fine, but what I'm really upset about is that you uh, you were ranting and raving, and t- you took some of my time. Yeah, I know. You took I went, some of my time. I blew right it through was, the break. It was so interesting that I, you know, uh, I, I changed my profile picture on my Facebook, and um, it was interesting. You were doing a good job. It was very good. You changed it but, to uh, what? <laughs> to my dog's picture. Oh, okay. Um, she took a <laughs> selfie. She did her own selfies, so it's pretty good. Well, Nora's a Nora's a good-looking dog, so that's okay. She's a good-looking dog, man, especially in the selfie. But um, I'm really excited that you guys, it must be a slow news day because you guys are going to discuss how people had a difficult time driving to work today with the snow. Well, I think that's probably people running into each other, but I don't, Ah. I'm not exactly sure where that's going to go. 
I'm I'm not. Sure. That's that's Dan's newscast. He's got it. Cute, but that's a good. I like that you heard the teaser. I mean, we have like ten inches of snow out here, and um, and you know your snow gates. We don't have snow gates or whatever you call those. Uh, we got we got a big uh, what do they call windrow of snow going down the main street here. Yeah, they don't, and not like you know when they do that here, they come back and pick it up. They don't do that there, do they? No, they don't do that till probably you know tomorrow, or you know late late tonight, probably two three in the morning. They'll they'll do it. They'll still, but they will come so, and scrape that middle part off. They do, yeah, That's eventually, good. and not not like right away. It'll be a, a day or two, but yeah, it eventually goes away. Yeah, so but if you do that, at least forty degrees again, so yeah, we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, but if you do that on the weekend, you have the people who want to drive like a stuntman through those big windrows, though, too. <laughs> Especially since we have a, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's Friday night, that's right. And Lost Cabin out of Rapid City is coming to do a tap takeover, so it's a big news here in, Rap- in Custer. A what? So, Lost Cabin Brewery, I don't oh. know if you're familiar with them. No. So, they're coming down. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. So they're, they're still happening, there's still people just out and about and having fun. In yeah, Custer. and if yeah. you go to the Custer State Park uh, Facebook, the, the girls have been out, uh, the, the, the whatever, the women are out there uh, snowshoeing, checking out the route for the Lover's Leap snowshoe hike tomorrow. Oh, that's right. That's tomorrow. That's cool. Yeah, which I was going to send my mother to, you know, my 82-year-old mother who's yep. uh, busy about snowshoeing, but we're having this huge conversation about whether uh, I'm trying to buy her a new coat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you know goose down and duck down. You got uh, you got any ideas, theories about the difference? I, you, to be honest, I always thought it was all just goose down. I, do you actually no. see? So I would I would think that goose down would be better than duck down. So I buy her a really nice brand because you know your brand mm-hmm. uh, down coat, but uh, to your knees, and she goes, "Oh, it's duck down." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? That is duck down. And now i got to go search for goose down, which apparently is very difficult to find nowadays because we don't eat enough geese. Well, but there's geese everywhere. Just go out and no, there's shoot geese, some. Geese come from China and, and you know, how uh, whatever. And so they eat more duck now than they eat geese. But the duck feathers, I guess, are bloomier or fluffier, which allows for the more warmth. So you, you gotta, gotta be kidding me. The label. I'm not kidding you. My mom, oh, it's a duck. Duck <laughs> down. So. <laughs> well, I will say this. Your, your mother's 82, but if yeah. anybody knows about cold weather gear, you know, the yeah. differences between downs, it's probably her because she's always outside. She is always outside. In fact, they were shoveling this morning. When I got up there, the second attempt to get up there, um, because the snow was so deep, and they were out shoveling, and she said, "Well, I got to get out snowshoeing here pretty soon." <laughs> so, <laughs> so she she'll probably be on that lover's sleep. Although she was kind of, she thought it would be a little too much for her tomorrow, but we'll see. Yeah, it's cold. It'll be cold. Ten inches. Of, how cold is it? Because it's really cold here. I'm tired of it. I, I'm just so sick of it. I'm just going to get in my car and drive to. Texas Custer, because it's going to be 40. <laughs> okay, well, I'll go to Custer instead. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, we had just, yesterday was raining. It was raining. It was so nice out. I mean, it was so warm. It was 49 degrees here in Custer, and it was 15 in Rapid. How weird is that? That is bizarre. Yeah. I like so, that, though. You got to move here. I know. I know. Yeah. I already said we at least got to take the show out there for a week. I think so. 
During really, the rally. What, what's keep? Yeah, no, not during the <laughs> rally. What's really keeping the? I gotta, I gotta ask Uber producer Dan Peters. What's really keeping me from doing the show from Custer? Anything? <laughs> I would say that you could sweet sugar talk the uh, management, and and they would be able to do that for you. Your your predecessor took a whole week and and toured out in western South Dakota, not in one spot. Yeah. You could do it. I ran into him, actually, up at uh, uh, Moonshine Gulch. You're kidding me. Yeah. Rick Novi. When he was out and about, yes. Well, there you go. On that, that oh, Sunday on afternoon tour. at Moonshine Gulch. Yep. Well, I, we got to think about this because there's no good reason. As, I mean, if I can do the show, then I don't have to take days off. I get a vacation out of it, and we get um, like a radio event. Yeah, well, we used to, you know, we used to have a radio station here in town, but that kind of went, oh, oh, that kind of went on the wayside. But the tower is still there, and the building's still there. That's weird. Somebody has to own that license. He, here's the deal: yeah. uh, just go up and down Main Street, and get me some mm-hmm. sponsors, and then I can do it. <laughs> I'll give you a cut. Easy peasy. I can do that. Yeah, sweet. Well, I got to get that on my calendar. Uh, so yeah. there's ten inches of snow there. Everything's good. Uh, yeah, except for cold because we're wearing duck down and not goose down. It won't so. last. It won't last. But it won't, yeah. It, no, it's going to be 40 and then we're fine. So you better get out here soon if you want a snowshoe or a fat tire bike or do whatever because it's going to be over with by uh, next week. That sounds good. Uh, yeah. Before I let you go, plug the restaurant because you're open during the winter. We are at Sage Creek Grill. Make your uh, Valentine's Day reservations. You know, it's this Wednesday or it's Ash Wednesday. So you can get Ash. And and go to church, or you can uh, you know come here and eat. You know, I didn't realize. I think it's going to take a bite on the Valentine's Day uh, reservations. Yeah, I didn't realize it was the same day. I think it's the first time ever. I've been in this business for thirty years, and I don't ever remember it. You've also been you've been in the Catholic business about fifty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> uh, Buffalo Maiden, thanks a lot for uh, filling yep. us in, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Sounds great. Bye. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, Thea Miller-Ryan from the Outdoor Campus. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. I go out walking after midnight out in the Oh, we let that play just a little longer than normal because it's Patsy Klein. Walking out walking after midnight because our guest is Thea Miller-Ryan from the Outdoor Campus. And that's just that's who I think of when I think about Thea Miller-Ryan. And I never go walking after midnight. That would be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. I love Patsy Klein. Uh, you did tell me. Uh, Thea Miller-Ryan, of course, is the executive director of the uh, Outdoor Campus Game Fish and Parks facility at 49th and uh, Oxbow. Oxbow. Yeah, mm-hmm. I always get that wrong. <laughs> and... We were talking earlier, uh, with this snow, the ski trails are groomed. It's really pretty out there right now. Yep, until, you know, especially right away when it snows before there get to be too many walkers. Could people right. walk people on the trails? People don't walk on the trails. Please don't walk on the trails because then the skiers call me. They're really mad because if you step on the ski trail, it's just like throwing down a boulder in front of a skier out there. Yeah, so it's awful. It, it, they trip, they fall, they get hurt, they get angry, they call me. Please Give me a good day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but the reason, one of the things we were talking about, uh, because it's so cold, we wanted to talk about something warm. Something warm. Yes. And so you were telling me the uh, the monarch butterflies, the beautiful monarch butterflies. Right. They're like, they're not here, clearly. 
Where are they? They're down in Mexico right now. And it's party time down there. <laughs> party time <laughs> so, is, well, that's where everybody from Sioux Falls goes anyway for party. That's right. And so what happens in Mexico happens for the butterflies down there too. So this time of year, right around February 14th, they come out of what's called diapause when all they've been doing is thinking about surviving the winter. They've been just living off their fat reserves and just trying to get on through. And now they're kind of waking up and their brains are taking on some new thoughts and the butterflies are starting to go crazy and have have a little butterfly fun down there and uh, create new baby butterflies. That's right on. And then... Butterfly sex, yeah. Yeah, butterfly sex. So <laughs> That's right. So they're partying down in, in uh, Cabo and... Cabo, uh, not quite Cabo. Uh, the, there's a couple different sanctuaries that they go to. They fly to central... Mexico, um, it's just some transvolcanic mountains. One of the big sanctuaries is El Rosario, and that's where the majority of them go. There are kind of two really big areas where they go to, but El Rosario is a big one. And uh, people go down there. You can go down and see them, do a little eco ecotourism. But we also have researchers down there who are counting them in case they fall out of trees because we put little tiny tags on them here in the fall. Yeah, so we do that. So is that you, the Game Fish and Parks, does that? Um, actually, it's a citizen science project. Oh, really? So, yeah, Game Fish and Parks has been a part of it since 1997, so I've been doing this a long time. But um, anybody can do it. All you have to do is go to the University of Kansas website, monarchwatch.org, and uh, you can sign up to do it, too. And so you, you put little tags on these little, ba yeah. little butterflies. Yeah. And then they go down there. Yep, spend the winter. And then... So if somebody down there looks at them, right, right, and says, "Oh, here's one from Sioux Falls," right? Right. Wow. Well, we're looking at it's about like finding a needle in a haystack, though. Oh, okay. There's upwards of 350 million butterflies down there. That's so, a lot of butterflies. That's a lot of butterflies. So, um, you know, sometimes they find them dead on the forest floor, and it's a couple years old. So it wouldn't be surprising to find a butterfly that we tagged here two or three years ago that just never made it. Because they only live the one. The one trip, right? Yeah. Well, the ones that are down there right now, they're called the super generation, and those live for nine months. So those are the ones that just eat and survive. And uh, then from then on, after they start mating, their babies and the next generations that are kind of going to come north here and make it back to South Dakota by about May, those only live for 30 days, but the whole thing on their mind is sex and reproduction. So, but, so I... So which ones go back down? These super, the super yeah. generators? No. Super generation oh, only makes it maybe as far north as Texas if they're ah, lucky. I see. And they lay eggs. And by then it's starting to get spring up in um, Oklahoma. And the milkweed starts coming up because that's the only plant that the caterpillars can eat. And then that generation lives for 30 days. But in those 30 days, they move a little further north. Oh. And they might make it to Nebraska. So eventually they get up here to South Dakota, usually mid to late May. So they are kind of like the Irish, just one <laughs> step at a time moving across the country. But they're not chasing out the snakes. St. <laughs> Patrick did, right? Well, that's amazing. So the the butterflies that we actually have here, mm -hmm. they probably were born like in Kansas or something. Yeah. Um. Yes. And they can be they can be hatched here too. So they're probably the great 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 grandkids of the ones who left here in the fall. Well, that's bizarre. It's really amazing. Butterflies are a especially the monarch butterfly. They are absolutely fascinating. It is an amazing silent journey. 
that they make, you just can't believe how uh, how many there are. And uh, there's less and less every year, which is a little bit scary. Habitat. Habitat, exactly. Chemicals, pesticides, that sort of thing. Right. Loss of habitat up here because we don't have as much milkweed. Because we kill the milkweed. We kill the milkweed. Yep. And how many of us didn't spend time out in the bean field pulling milkweed as yeah. kids? Yeah. Um, but now it's, uh, you know, there's Roundup Ready crops. And I sure don't blame the farmers for, you know, wanting to have a better production year. But um, you should, everybody should plan a little uh, milk, a little, not a milkweed, milkweed. but a little butterfly garden. Exactly. They need the nectar. They need the milkweed for their eggs to survive. And they look great. And they they do. Milkweed is not ugly. You know, we always thought of it as this ugly weed, but it's actually really pretty. It smells good. It has a beautiful flower. It just doesn't have a place in a bean field. (laughs) Well, I think it does. Okay. Yeah. I understand that people don't. Yeah. 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 Uh, See, Thea. Every time you come here, I learn something. I don't know how butterflies taste. Though. That's what I was going <laughs> to say. Gonna it's ask. the first time in a long time I haven't asked you what do they taste like. <laughs> um, I, I can't Weren't you going to report back on hedgehog or uh, groundhogs or something? Aren't we? I have not found any. I did ask. Groundhog and I have not chislic. found anyone who's tried groundhog. Right. Well, that's probably for the better. <laughs> now, Arkansas, which we're going to talk about in the second hour, they might be eating groundhog right. down there. Oh, geez. That... That's our, armadillo down there. Armadillo. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Thea Miller-Ryan from the Outdoor Campus. Thank you, as yeah. usual, as always, stopping by on Fridays to fill us in on the natural world. I appreciate it. I love it. Thanks for having me here. Sorry I had a little blip of the brain earlier. That wasn't you. It wasn't me. Okay. No. When you go back and listen to the podcast, you'll know what happened. Okay. So Sounds good. Be nice to me. Uh, <laughs> we're going we're to come right back and... With more on The Patrick Lally Show, we're going to talk about a new movie, uh, and stay with us for that. That's coming up next. This is Information 1000 KSOO. 358 on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. You get a shiver in the dark, it's raining in the park, but meantime... Hey, don't forget... Coming up Saturday night, Parrots, Parrot Heads on the Prairie Make a Difference 2018, 6.30 to midnight at the downtown Hilton Garden Inn. It's a beach party, and who doesn't need a beach party right now, featuring music from tropical rock band Rick Lamb and the Finn Addicts. A benefit for Horsepower, the Compass Center, and Sue Wheelers. There's going to be a silent auction items and a raffle, all that. It's put on by those good, good people, my friends, from Parrot Heads of the Prairie. You go to parrotheadsoftheprairie.com, get tickets, 30 bucks going to be a great time coming up in after the news and the weather with the mr dan peters we're going to talk with joe hyatt and dalton coffee they're involved in a movie called poor mama's boy and we'll tell you what each of them does in that fine film here in just a second information 1000 ksoo four oh seven on the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo And I am very pleased to have in the studio today, Joe Hyatt and Dalton Coffee, And they are here because they are involved, and we'll get into how here in a moment, with a feature film called Poor Mama's Boy. And it is, uh, Dalton is the writer and director of the movie, and Joe stars in it. And uh, Joe and Dalton, thank you for being 
here on the Patrick Lally Show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Um, so let's start with uh, with Dalton. You're the writer and director of this film that is now available. Got to remind people of this. You can go buy this movie or rent it right now. Right now. On Amazon or on iTunes. Correct. Or on Vimeo, apparently. Vimeo's got, yeah, video on demand. Vimeo on demand, they call it now. So, Well, sure. Video yeah. or Vimeo, it doesn't matter. Right. It's a V. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so this movie, Poor Mama's Boy, uh, full-length feature film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wrote it and directed it. Tell us about the movie. What's it about? Well, it's uh, about kind of a neglected, for lack of a better term, 17-year-old who um, is trying to... Sp- grasp onto any amount of family that he can his mother's sort of run off with a boyfriend and left him to fend for himself and he goes and lives uh with an aunt and uncle and they sort of take him in he meets a girl and she disappears and this new shy quiet kid is who's everybody's looking at so um yeah it's 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 basically about what what you'd be willing to do for family yeah and it's a mystery too, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. a, yeah. a mystery element to it. Sure. Yep. Suspense thriller. How do you categorize it? Um, I would say suspense. There's definitely some suspense and some moments in there. It's just it's a slow burn, but there's a lot of tension. It just keeps tightening mm-hmm. as the film sort of goes along, and mm-hmm. I like that. And Joe, who's also here with us in studio, um, you are you play that 17 year old kid. Yes, I'm the poor mama's boy. So. <laughs> do you? Uh, you don't want to be known as that forever. That's, no, no, no. Um, you are uh, from Sioux Falls. Yep. Uh, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I'm a Lincoln High School graduate, uh, 2016. I am, I'm currently a sophomore at USF. I'm a theater and English major. So, yeah. So how, how did you guys get together? So, <coughs> Dalton, you wrote this movie. You directed it. Um, uh, how did you find Joe? Um, I think... Uh, how did that happen? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you, you could probably tell a story. Yeah, um, he did a short film. Dalton did a short film called Ellie, and it starred my uncle. Dave Decker was in it. And after I saw that that it had been released, I just reached out to Dalton, and I was like, "Hey, that was a great short film you made. Um, my uncle's Dave. My uncle is Dave, and I'd love to like get coffee sometime and just talk about movies and like." At that time, I was really interested in, like, making my own movies and acting. Like, So, yeah, and then we, we met up and got coffee and then got coffee, like, a month later and a month after that and just developed this, like, friendship that, yeah, if you want to take over, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we ended up making another short. We made a, another, yeah, yeah, yeah. I made another short film that <coughs> has yet to be released, um, much to the chagrin of other people that were in it. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and Joe was in that, and uh, I just uh, I cast him in that. I thought he could do it, and then after that, I came up with the idea for this film and thought, I wonder if he can play this Arkansas kid, and um, he could. So, so by the way, I put the link to your page, your web page for this film, on my Twitter feed at Pulali Show. So oh, if yeah. people want to go and learn more about it, there's pictures of everybody and more sure. information on the film. And in fact. If you just search "Poor Mama's Boy" in IMDb, you'll also find it'll. It's on IMDb. Yeah, yeah you'll yep. find a lot of good stuff. So, but the uh, uh, your uh, Dalton, your production company is you, you live here now, but your 
originally from Arkansas, grew I'm up in Arkansas. Originally from Arkansas, is yeah. that that's why you set the movie in Arkansas? Yes, it's it's set in the the area that I'm from. Actually, it takes place in a town called Yellville, and um, uh, another nearby town called Flippin. And uh, are these real towns? These are real towns. Okay, yeah, these are real towns. So Flippin and Yellville. Yep, got yeah. it. And, Down uh, there in the holler. I mean, it's oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Yep. So it had to, it, 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 uh, culturally it had to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um because that's where you were drawing the story from your mm-hmm. own life down there. Right. Uh, so, uh, but you have a local production company and it, you live here now. Um, what's the production company called? Uh, it's crew Philco. Actually. Philco. Yep. I and, wanted you to say that the first time. Yeah. I didn't so people have always, you know, it's a crusader film company and then we just sort of got it, got homogenized and all thrown together. But, um, we're starting. We're actually launching a new production company called Bomber Productions. That is more uh, for commercial work specifically, and Krufoko will kind of st- exist as a um, uh, feature film and short film, narrative film entity. So, how many so, films have you made then? I've made one feature. I've shot two features, including that one, because I shot Poor Mama's Boy as well as a cinematographer. And um, and then I've I've wrote and directed I think four or five shorts. And Joe was in one, and he mentioned Ellie, and I did a couple of two or three period films a number of years ago, Golden Era. One of them was a Western, and I tried a lot of different things. No, Well, that's how you learn, right? Yeah. By trying. Um, We're going to come right back after a short break and talk more with Joe Hyatt and Dalton Coffey about the new film that they've put together called Poor Mama's Boy that you can get right now on Amazon and iTunes. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 417 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Joe Hyatt and Dalton Coffey. Joe starred in and Dalton directed, directed and wrote and filmed the new feature film, Poor Mama's Boy. And... Joe, we were talking a little bit about how uh, your your how you guys met. Um, when did you start thinking? You know, I want to be an actor. Yeah, um, I don't know. My mo- if my mom were here, she'd say that she's always known that I wanted to be an actor because, like, when I was little, I'd watch Lion King, Tarzan, like Pocahontas, over and over and over again, and I wouldn't just watch them. I'd like act it out while I watched. So when I told her that, she like wasn't really surprised she was like seems about right i don't know so (laughs) yeah but then like i was a very shy kid growing up so just the thought of that when i tell people like i want to be an actor they're like really like it seems weird but no like really the love for it was found through movies and theater and plays and books and just storytelling in general so so when did you start in theater like, what age do you think you were? Like, when's your first time on stage? First time on stage was probably 16. Yeah? Yeah. At Lincoln? At Lincoln, yep. do, do you remember what it was? I was in The Elephant Man. Yeah. I played, it's like a small little role. I was a administrator of the hospital that The Elephant Man was staying at. So, yeah. And you were, you just knew you wanted to do it from that point? Yeah. I mean... I get terribly nervous before I have to go out on stage, but once I'm out there, I feel so comfortable. It feels feels right. So you are a very soft-spoken person. <laughs> if <Yep>. people <laughs> upon meeting you wouldn't say, "Here's a guy that wants to be in the limelight." Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> what was it like then, doing a film, yeah. and seeing <clears throat> yourself in a role 
It's one thing to be in theater. Mm. You don't really, unless somebody's got their iPhone there, you know, you, you don't, yeah. it's not the same experience. Yeah. What's it like seeing yourself acting on film? You know, acting for me is a very internal and intellectual process. So, like, um, I was I was pretty quiet on set the whole time, and that, I think, really fit, definitely fit the character that I play. He's very soft-spoken, much more soft-spoken than I am as Joe. And so, um, and then watching it, it's like I can, like, most of the acting I'm doing is without words, and so... I can see that intellectual, like, internal process in the character. And those are some of my favorite moments in film. I think, like, the final shot of Godfather Part Two and Al Pacino, like, does some of the best acting in that movie without saying anything. So, yeah. And films that way, where your your facial expressions, your actions, your... Uh, can say so much. Yeah, I'd say that's definitely the biggest difference between theater and film. You know, like, with film, the camera will catch everything that you do, and, you know, in theater, you have to give the same performance to the person in the front row as the very back row. And so there's, you know, film is very subtle, and theater is more bigger choices, bigger movements, I guess. And, yeah, so. Do you think you could play somebody who is gregarious and, brash and yeah absolutely i think it'd be challenging um i like to think about it like with every role i've ever done and will do that character's already inside me and it's just finding those parts of myself that because i can be a weirdo in this room right now but i'm not you know, go ahead but, man it's okay <laughs> no. but, uh we're here we're talking with joe hyatt yeah. and dalton <laughs> coffee who are uh the lead actor and the writer director and cinematographer of Poor Mama's Boy, available on Amazon and iTunes. Uh, Dalton, did you know that he was your character right away? I mean, you said you had met and worked on a, a short film, but yeah. you did say, did you think, that's that character, that's who I want, how do I make this work? Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I would say that I wrote it for him. I don't like to write things for actors, because mm-hmm. sometimes then it sh- it tells the actor that I've got some you know, a predetermined idea of how they're going to do it. You know, I like to give them a little bit more room, you know, to do what they're going to do with it. But with him, it was, yeah, I just, he was, he was, I, I, I always say indie filmmaking is about using your resources and he was a resource. I'd, I'd worked with him in the short film. It was a totally different character, but he just, he did it so well. And, uh, and he, I think you were 15 or 16 at the time. Yeah. And uh, so he plays the 17 year old and he actually is 17. And I mean, this some of the senior uh, you know, actors that were on that film were blown away by him and had no idea that he was, they thought he was a decade older than that just because of how he did it. We need to talk about some of the senior actors who were on this film because it's got a, you were able to put together a pretty good cast here. Uh, and uh, Natalie Carnerday, am I saying that right? Canterday. Canterday, sorry. Uh, she was the mother in Sling Blade. Yep, the lead actress of Sling Blade. And I, I was I, I wanted Natalie for that part um because of her and Sling Blade and um October Sky and anything she ever did, I just I was such a fan of hers. And, so how did you connect with her? Uh our casting director actually that we got his name's Yancey Prosser out of uh Little Rock. Um he reps her. And um I I was fortunate enough to get Yancey to say yes to the project. And I said, I, I want Natalie. And he said, everybody wants Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, every film that's made in the area, people want Natalie. So 
he said, I can't guarantee anything, but um, she said yes. So we were fortunate enough that she came onto the project. And um, how yeah. does that work? I mean, she's she's a, a, an actress with good credentials, can make money. Do, do you got the cash to the pony up, or how's that work? Well, yeah, we paid. We paid. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, good. Yeah, um, I mean, but they have to accept at some measure as an indie film that they're maybe not going to make what yeah, they're Yeah, it wouldn't be as, yeah, exactly, and there's no royalties or anything like that. But she uh, she read the script, and she liked it. And then I remember Yancey, because she doesn't do email or anything, so she came by his office and picked the script up, actual physical copy of it. And then he emailed me about four hours later and said, she's in, she wants to wow. do it. And uh, he said, here's her number, she wants you to call her. And I was so nervous. And I was like, why, why does she want me to call her? And uh, I, t- I spent about 10 seconds talking her on the phone, and I was totally relaxed. She was just great. Just super, super down to earth um, and just rolls with the rolls, you know, goes with the flow, rolls with the punches. Whatever happens, happens. I, if people don't remember Sling Blade, that's the, it was the Billy Bob Thornton movie mm-hmm. that I think that was his big breakthrough, right? Yeah. He had had other mm-hmm. projects, obviously, but that yeah. was a, did he, did he win an Oscar? That movie was nominated for Academy Award at some measure, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it, I, I'm trying to remember now. I should know this. Yeah, we should know these we should things. We should know and, these and things. And we don't. I'm horrible at, <laughs> at, at this kind of I know stuff. For, I know for sure it was nominated for Best Picture, and he was nominated See, for Best Actor, but yeah. neither of those won, but yeah. still, but be nominated. There, well, yeah. she <laughs> had, she played a, a very prominent role in an Oscar-nominated film, yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah. she's working with you and this kid from Sioux Falls down in Arkansas. Right. Yeah. That's a wild story, <laughs> and just in and of itself, isn't it? Right, yeah. Well, and, and also uh, Jennifer Pierce Mathis. Yes. She, yeah. She's she got some uh, uh, some credits as well. She does, yes. And, and, and Jennifer was actually, wasn't in the original cut of the film. Um, she plays um, Joe's uh, mom. And um, so she, she, was a late, she was a late addition. It was some extra scenes that we shot. And uh, so thrilled to have her, too, because she's, uh, she's just... Again, one of those people that she's so real on camera, and um, again, nothing, nothing like you know. This is some of these people are nothing like what they are in the film necessarily. Right. You know, like these some of these. The uh, Lindsay who plays uh, Joe's brother um, has been in some great films too, and is a marvelous actor. But one of the funniest guys I've ever met in my life. And then you know we call action, and he's digging a, a bullet ricochet out of Joe's arm, and he's kind uh, of a creepy dude in this movie, isn't he? From what I've seen. Um, you're probably thinking of, uh, Cody. Um, he's kind of the, yeah, he's the questionable cousin. Got it. Yes. The questionable cousin. Thank you. He looks a little weird. Yeah. Again, again, nothing like he is in the, one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. He was just terrific. We're going to come right back and talk more with Joe Hyatt and Dalton coffee about their new movie, poor mama's boy available now on Amazon and iTunes. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 434 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are continuing our conversation here with Joe Hyatt and Dalton Coffee. Joe starred in and Dalton wrote and directed a new feature film called Poor Mama's Boy. They are... Sioux Falls based. Is that fair to say? Sioux Falls based. That's fair. Okay. Uh, And we're pretty happy about that. Um, We were talking about all the people that are in this film, uh, including uh, Natalie Canterday. I'm close enough. From Sling Blade and Jennifer Pierce Mathis, who's got a bunch of credits too, and other actors involved. Joe, you're coming into this deal. You're a 17-year-old punk from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, (laughs) and all of a sudden you're thrown into the middle of this. Uh, What was that like? I was terrified. 
Um, <laughs> you know, like. I've no, that's good. I like be. I like the fact that you were honest right there. I don't mean to cut you <laughs> off, but most of the time people say, you know, I just, I just pretended they were uh, just normal people. And I just, <laughs> but you were terrified, I'm and absolutely terrified. <laughs> and um, I don't know, just the fact that, like, I was the only actor coming in that wasn't Southern. Um, that was terrifying for me, but. And just working with Natalie Canarday because I had really admired her work in Sling Blade. And then <laughs> knowing that I had to work with her, I was just absolutely terrified. And then that first scene that we did together, like, she was just totally that character. Mm -hmm. And so it was just 100% a different person than I had just shaken hands with, like, two minutes before. And so that really just eased all the tension right there for did, me so did you remember all your lines i think so he hardly says anything <laughs> you're a quiet brooding young man in yes, the movie yeah. uh dalton when did you shoot it we shot in the summer of 2015 and then had some uh additional <coughs> scenes that we shot in the spring may i believe yeah of 2016 so um technically wrapped in 2016 um yeah so a, a very hot summer <laughs> in July and August. Yep. All shot in Arkansas. Correct. Yep. Um, so it's, it's an independent film, your first feature film. Um, for you bringing all these people together as the director, cinematographer, writer, producer, all of it, suddenly you've got, you know, real actors all collected in this place based on promises, essentially, that you've made that you know what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, w w Joe was terrified. Were you doubly terrified? What was that like for um, you? Yeah, it came in waves. I would say <laughs> uh, the, the 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 real the funny thing was I I wrote the script and it happened really fast. It was on it was on my wife's birthday. We went out for dinner and like the gentleman I am, I talked about what I like. Yep. And about this new movie idea that I had. And that was uh, April 24th, and June 1st I had a script, and July 27th we were shooting. And it just sort of happened, it just sort of snowballed so fast that I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. And then everybody was, people were saying yes that shouldn't say yes. I would have <laughs> other people that get a hold of me and say, how did you get them to say that? I, I don't know, I just asked, and they said yes. And so we just sort of went, and I have to, I give a lot of credit to my wife because she not only... You Your know, wife has like, a name, and she's sitting in the she's studio. She's sitting in the room right over yeah. there. There's a microphone, actually, right next to her. Uh, Abby, Abby Coffee is her name. And uh, she uh, was a producer. I think she's credited as a production designer on the film, but she was a producer. Uh, it wouldn't have happened without her. Um, she, I think people liked her probably before they liked me on set. So that was good. That's she was okay. A, she was a smile. And I definitely I, did. Yeah, everybody <laughs> did. I remember when she, she had to leave for a few days, and I thought I didn't know what I was going to do. And uh, <laughs> Natalie Kennedy actually when, when actually looked at me and said, what are you going to do when she leaves? And I was like, I, I don't know, Natalie. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it definitely wouldn't have happened without her. And uh, so obviously a lot of thanks. And a lot of uh, – that's a lot of uh, faith you know, mm -hmm. and saying, hey, we, we can we can do this, even though we've never proven that we can do this. Tell me about the writing. Um, you said you came up with the idea, you know, and in a couple of months you had it. Um, where's that? Where does that writing come from in you? What What's your experience with that? That seems like that does seem like really fast to write a script. 
at the same time when it's in there and it wants to come out. Right. Um, I, it, it wrote itself pretty quick. These were, again, this, I'm f- from Arkansas, and these were people that I felt like I understood pretty well. Um, Wesley, there's a lot of me in Wesley in, in some ways, um, and Wesley's the lead character. I don't know Got if it. people picked up on that. Uh, a lot of me in, in that character and just people that I know. I even took names. There's people down there probably really pissed off at me right now because they're like, <laughs> you used my name? I'm like, that was a great name, you know? Yeah. Um, there's a real Wesley Shipman. Uh, great guy. He's actually he's, has a small role in the film. Like he's like, oh wow, he's extra on the film. But um, I, I think the most important thing for me, I think, as a writer, is to understand the character. I, I try to understand the character before I ever even start writing a script, and then it sort of helps to write itself because no matter what they do or what they say, it just seems like this is this is how that person would do that. This is what Wesley would do, and then uh, then to hand it over to Joe and say, hey. Uh, do your thing, you know. This is this is Wesley's you too, and um, I mean, I remember the first time we, or the first day that we were shooting, and I, I remember watching the footage back, and I was like, "That's not Joe at all. It doesn't even he doesn't even walk like Joe. He doesn't stand like him. Everything about him was different, and he just he became Wesley from the inside out." And I mm-hmm. think that um, uh, one of my favorite one of my favorite quotes is a Billy Bob Thornton quote actually, when he talks about um, directing. And he says, if you if you're talking to your actors too much, then you've cast the wrong people, mm. because I remember having moments when I don't know that I hardly gave Joe any direction. There was and a lot of the actors. I would not hardly say anything to them. And I felt like I was failing somehow as a director. Like, I feel like I should be talking more, you know, and I Natalie would just come in and say her line. And I'm like, she'd look at me and I'd be like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but there are a lot. I mean, you hear about directors who do very famous top notch directors and that's how they work. Mm-hmm. Like. They expect the actors to come in, hit their lines, and they move on. I think Clint Eastwood's like that. I've heard that about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He works very fast. Yeah. And sometimes that's disconcerting to Right, people. yeah, yeah. And, you know, like it's just a couple of takes and we're good and move yeah. on. I think Clint Eastwood doesn't even say action or cut or any words like that I think because he likes for just to flow into it. He doesn't, you know, you yell action. It kind of everybody gets uptight. Um, he just is kind of one of those whenever you're ready kind of a guy. And then they just do it and then he's, that's great. And then they move on. And uh, I felt like we worked that way a lot, um, but it was just a good ensemble and uh, very lucky. You know, a lot of things that came together that shouldn't have. Um, but in the end, uh, made a film that we're proud of. Um, yeah. You know, I hope to I hope to look back and, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, I go, yeah, you know, eh, we did okay. I didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> there was something there from the beginning yeah. with my Oscar. Um <laughs> Let's. Uh, we're going to come right back and talk more with Joe Hyatt and Dalton Coffee about their film that has been released on Amazon. You can get it. You can rent it or buy it there or rent it or buy it on iTunes or stream it, buy it, rent it, whatever, on Vimeo, VOD, and uh, and watch it. It's called uh, Ma- Poor Mama's Boy. I was going to say Mama's Poor Boy, and that's a different movie. <laughs> Poor Mama's Boy. Uh, and it's available. We'll be right back after this short break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 444-5 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000. And we're going to stay because we've got a little bit left of this show. And then we'll go. Um, we're here with Joe Hyatt and Dalton Coffey talking about their new movie, Poor Mama's Boy, which is available right now on Amazon and iTunes for rent or for purchase. It is a 
Sioux Falls-based production company with a Sioux Falls-based actor set in Arkansas. It all makes perfect sense, doesn't it, guys? Yep. Uh, so, Joe, um, you're a USF sophomore. Yes. Studying theater and English and philosophy. What are you going to do with your life? I hope to go to New York. Um, my dad's family is from there, and I just I love it there. It's amazing, especially as an actor. It's just the energy there is unbelievable. So, How much does it help you to actually have a credit? Probably helps a little bit more than everybody else, I guess. Um, you got something to show. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Um, something to yeah, show, I guess. <laughs> it's, a, it's a long, hard road. Um, <clears throat> are you ready for that? I mean, how, what's, how do you see these things coming together? Yeah, you know, like when I first told my mom that I wanted to be an actor, it's like, Mom, I want to be an actor, so we should probably move to L.A. <laughs> yeah. She's like, wait, well, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and she's like, um, just there's people here in Sioux Falls that you can learn from. There's connections here that you can make, and she was definitely right. I mean, that's why I'm talking here right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, you know, like, ever since I had this dream, like, dreams keep tr coming true. I, like, got to do this film, got to do Shakespeare last year. I'm in a play currently that I'm really, like, one of my dream roles, so, yeah. Which is what? It's a play called Red by John Logan, and it's about... Mark Rothko, the famous abstract expressionist painter. And where where can we see you in this play? So it's um, it's a self-produced play at USF. I just wanted to do it, mm -hmm. and I got a, another kid. It's a two-man show. Got a kid to do it with me, and we've been working on it since January. So is it going to run here soon at yeah. USF? Yep, it's um, next week Thursday. So there you six go. Six days away. Well, tell people where yeah, they can go sure. if they go um, see you. It's in the Jeske Fine Arts Building, Jones Theater. It's theater in the basement. It's not a very long show. It's one act. It'll be about an hour and five minutes. So, Cool. Yeah. Well, you know, now you can say, you know, you, you saw him and poor mama's boy. It's uh, now you can see him on stage at Jeske yeah, Fine Arts Center. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. Dalton, <coughs> you weren't from St. Falls. You ended up here for all the reasons that people go places, which is for a girl. Um, but you're making movies in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. How is that possible? Well, um, you know, I think, I think making films in the Midwest in general is probably just being in the Midwest, I think is probably the culprit for being able to do it. If I was on the East or West coast, I, I don't know that I could, um, everybody out there is almost, they're almost used to it in a way. And, and because of that, then there's always, you know, Hey, can we film at your house? Uh, yeah. How much am I going to make for that? Yeah. Um, and you're the 10th person that's asked me to do that today. Uh, here, it just seems it just seems like people are more interested in it. And um, there, it's also just this huge, you know, belt of the country that not a lot of films are necessarily done. And more and more are now because mm -hmm. you used to have to be out in the big cities to get things produced. But now with technology and just things like being able to release a film like we did mm -hmm. and how we did it. They can be made anywhere, and so there's really no limitations there. But I think Sioux Falls is a great place. You know, I love the town, and I love I love living here. Arkansas will always be home, you know, for me. And that's why went back and made 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 that film there, and I'd like to go back and make another one. But um, yeah, it's uh, 
for lack of a better for lack of a better word, I think it's it's a great place to. There's always my my dad always used to say it's a great place to be from. Mm-hmm. You know, Arkansas is a great place to be from. Here's a great place to be from. You know, <laughs> not and he to didn't stay. Mean, yeah, yeah, and uh, so uh, it's uh, it, it gets hot down there. <laughs> but does. other than that, I mean, I, I love it. It's a beautiful country the, and uh, great people. The uh, what's the gentleman's name? The director from Omaha. He made Nebraska and he made. Um, did he make uh, election? Yeah, Alexander Payne. Thank you, Alexander Payne. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of led the way for a lot of folks from this area to say, well, hey, I can tell these stories. They're, yep. Because ultimately, you're, what you're doing is telling a story no matter where it's set. Exactly, yeah. And and for me, you know, story is incredibly important. And I used to think when I got started, story was the most important thing. And uh, to me now, it's the second most important thing. Now it's Characters. finding a good lead actor. Yeah, well, character. <laughs> character is the most important thing to me. And then what happens in the story with it? Because I mean, there's been movies I've watched that this, the characters are so enthralling. I don't care what happens. Right. I'm I'm with you. I'm along for the ride. And um, and then if you can couple that with a good story, I think that's you know then uh, yeah, it's great. But um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Alexander Payne. And I, I remember I actually went down to Omaha to uh, film streams down there, put on a an event, um, and he spoke with another director who I'm a big fan of, uh, David O. Russell, who made. Uh, um, he made like Silver Linings Playbook mm-hmm. and American Hustle yeah. and uh, Good Joy, uh, great films, and, and a marvelous director. And it was just uh, the two of them just sat and talked for an hour and a half about films. And um, one of the coolest things I think I've ever, you know, like these guys are just talking. And that was he, that was a major inspiration. I came back and I ended up making that short film with Joe that still hasn't seen the light of day. <laughs> it got pushed aside because I had this idea for this feature film. Yeah. And I just kept going. That's but, how it goes, right? Yeah. So, so you've got another script in the works, or how's that? What's next? I, I do, yeah. Actually, another Arkansas-based uh, film. So uh, we're going to go further south in oh, the good. state, <laughs> down in the swampy, I always say the crappy part of the state. Yeah. Uh, to any, anybody that might be listening from Arkansas, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Poor Mama's Boy was up kind of north-central Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, and uh, hoping to have Joe along for that one, too. Um not to try, you know, I don't want to... He'll be in New York. Yeah, right. You know, he won't be able to return any of my calls. You know, it's interesting. Uh, um, there's a gentleman here uh, that I actually grew up with who's in Nebraska who ended up getting a speaking part in Nebraska because he went down for the casting call. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a kind of weird thing that can happen when sure. you're living in the Midwest. Right. Well, you need mid, you need Midwesterns to, to yep. in order to make a film about the Midwest. I mean, only they understand that, I think. Really, truly. Yep. And Alexander's a great example of somebody that knows how to capture that. You know, it's interesting, too, uh, that there are, you're not the only filmmaker in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is, we couldn't say that maybe 10, 15 years ago. Right. Yep. Um, there, There's other people doing kind of, inter- short of, I'm not trying to say it's more than it is, but it seems like a lot of people are interested in making films that tell stories and have characters based on where we live. Yeah, and that's pretty well. Yours are based in Arkansas, but that's okay. <laughs> right. They're right. your experience right. or people telling their own experiences through sure. film. Yeah. Um, do you see that growing or uh, is it just kind of a flash in the pan? No, I, I think it's I think it's definitely growing. I mean, my film, I went to Arkansas and made it because it was an Arkansas story. It's it couldn't have, it couldn't have been made in, in here because it just couldn't have been set here. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't culturally. It wouldn't have fit. But. Um, th- I mean, th- South Dakota in general has so much to offer, uh, just in, in sheer visuals, um, and, you know, take people out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of variety in the state mm-hmm. that's kind of inherent to the state and you can't really get that in too many other places. But I, I would say that, yeah, there's other, there's a, a, f- a friend and colleague of mine, Joe Hubers is another filmmaker in town and, uh, he made a film 
called uh, um, of Minor Prophets. And I actually was a cinematographer on that film. It was a feature film. Um, and he always says, he always talks about making films from here. I think his production company actually for films is actually called From Here Pictures. Mm. And uh, he believes in telling stories that if you, if I think he always says if you don't tell stories about where you're from, then people will believe that life is lived elsewhere. And I think it's a quote from, I'm going to, I'm going to mess up who that quote is actually from. I don't know that he actually, I don't know if I can give him that credit, <laughs> how much credit. Like I said, that's a pretty good line. That's a good line. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I believe, I believe that. And uh, that's one of the things that I think if you do it right, then people from here will appreciate it yeah. and they'll like it. And then people elsewhere will, um, if nothing else, be interested in it. Yeah, because who needs, be fascinated another, by it. who needs another movie about Brooklyn? Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, anyway, Joe Hyatt, he is the lead actor in Poor Mama's Boy and uh, a USF student. Joe, thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it. Good luck Thank to you. you in New York. Thank you. Thanks and Dalton Coffey, he is the writer, producer, <clears throat> well, writer, director, cinematographer, all-around guy behind Poor Mama's Boy, which you can watch on Amazon and on iTunes and on Vimeo. Guys, really good luck to you, and uh, I can't wait for the next one. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll be back to finish up. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Hey, don't forget tonight. If you're looking for something to do, Tinsley Ellis is playing at the Orpheum for the Super Bowl Jazz and Blues Society. He's awesome. Coming up on Monday, Jacqueline Paulson will be here for the book club. Corey Heidelberger, Code of Free Press, will be with us. That's going to be fun. And the Common Man will kick off our week. See y'all on Monday. Have a great weekend. This is Information One Thousand KSOO.